How are you all today? All right. How many of you guys like the game? Uh, okay, good. That's so student ministry, right? Got to play a game. Um, so my name is Carrie, and I'm the student ministry director, if you don't know me. Um, and I just loved having so many of our teenagers helping with service. There are probably a lot that you don't even know or see. They're at all the cameras. Everybody in the booth, I think, is either a youth leader or a student. Um, they're all over Adventure Canyon, all over Connections. Um, and you might not even notice them each Sunday, but today's not special. Like, oh, today's special. <laughs> today's not unusual for those guys serving so much. And so um, I just want to say thank you to those guys. And today is not necessarily a youth service. It is just a service led by a lot of the youth team and our youth. But because I am the youth director, a lot of my stories are going to have to do with teens. But what I want you guys to know today is... My goal is not for you all to sign up in student ministry. If God tells you that, you better do it. That's kind of, we'll get there. But it's, it's to hit you where you are, okay? So whatever God is telling you today, that is where we want to just go to, to, to realize that God has a plan and a purpose for your life and then what it looks like to take that and live it out. So let me ask you guys a question. Has anybody ever misjudge something. Anyone? Okay. Yay, everybody. <laughs> I'm not alone. Has, has anybody ever misinterpreted? It's a little less scary than misjudging. Misinterpreted something. Okay, good. Or, in my case, miscalculated something. Anybody? So now, if this was a real youth service right now, I would have videos of fails on here, because they are amazing, and teenagers love them, and they're usually like slide skateboarding over something and then like miss the end and just like hit their head, right? There's like thousands of them online, that's what YouTube is. It's filled with fail videos. But um, one thing I miscalculated, I am from Minnesota. Anybody Minnesotans on here? They all came to first service, I hear one. Okay, was it you? It was my husband. <laughs> I'm not wearing my glasses. Who is that? Oh, hello. I met you there. Um, so we are from Minnesota. And um, in Minnesota, it is cold. Okay? So when people say and complain about cold here, I don't ever take it. But so there it's super cold. And I learned how to ski in Minnesota. So before I tell you about skiing in Minnesota and how I miscalculated some stuff, um, let me tell you about the winters there. So it snows, and unlike Utah, which it then melts or stays fluffy and happy, it freezes. And now you have a rock-solid snowpack. I figure this is appropriate being summer's coming. We want to focus on the cold in winter. Um, so in comes the snow. Then it gets dirty. So now you have gravel mixing. Then more snow comes on top of it and freezes. Sometimes you get sleet or rain and then that makes it super icy. And then it just keeps piling up into a giant dirty snow banks. Okay? So imagine that on a ski hill. I learned to ski going as fast as I could. Because that's all you do. You put on your skis and you go as fast straight down. Now, I, the biggest hill we had, the biggest run we had, took me 10 minutes to get down. 
Now, people from here who are skiers and snowboarders right now are going, <laughs> no, well, we were going fast. So there were a lot of times that we would have like scars and you like road rash down the side of your face. You just go for it. The only time you slow down is if like you're helping somebody else who's laying there with the road rash and they're like, help me. And you clean them up, stand them up and you just <laughs> straight down again. So I'm doing this and I love it. One time I even went on the moguls and land on a solid ice mogul like on my head. It wasn't good, I just, I kept doing it. It was that great. So as we, as I got older, I got a chance to go skiing in Colorado. So people told me, oh, you're gonna love skiing in Colorado. It's so much better. So much better, it's like Utah, right? So I was like, oh, yeah, but I bet you the, I bet you I need to like work out a little bit more. Because in Minnesota, it's like exercise for 10 minutes, we'll really just slide, ride a chairlift slide, ride a chairlift. So I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show them. I, and I started exercising, speed walking, I don't jog, please. Speed walking, an hour a day, okay? I'm like, I, my heart doesn't stop moving, I'm ready, it's an hour a day. I get to Colorado, get on the top of that mountain, it took me an hour for one powder run. One powder run. I was exhausted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like your leg, my legs were like noodles and I'm like, I'm gonna lay down right here. I felt like this was right, this spot. People kept going, are you okay? Do we need to call somebody? I'm like, no, I'm fine. I had totally misjudged how great skiing in Colorado was. Now, was it hard? Absolutely. Was it better? Absolutely. Don't let anybody from Minnesota tell you there's good skiing there. Okay, nobody. Now they have some Olympians that have come out of there, they're really good at like the Super G and stuff, but Colorado and Utah, best known on earth, is the best. So I miscalculated it, but sometimes miscalculations teaches you things, and you start learning. One of the reasons I love working with teenagers, they are probably the people's group in America as a whole that get misjudged. I bet you if I asked you before you walked in today if teenagers could be leading worship and running the sound systems and cameras and teaching all of your children, would you be like, eh, that sounds scary, but it happens every week, every week, because teenagers are amazing, and we're going to look into that, and so we're going to start with looking at a couple teenagers in the Bible, and so we're going to jump into Jeremiah chapter 1. If you guys don't know Jeremiah, let me tell you a little bit about him, and then we'll jump onto the verse. So he was, we think, young. In fact, the verse you're going to see in a minute, he just says, I'm young. We don't know how young he is. Um, probably someplace between 14 and 24, young. Um, the other teenager in the story, young person at the time, is King Josiah. King Josiah was the king of Judah. He started at the age of eight, eight. So when Jeremiah comes on the scene, it says he's in the 13th year of reign, so he's between 20 and 21. And in comes Jeremiah. And God calls him, and verse four through five in chapter one says, now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, let's just sit for a minute. I'm going to come back to this, but I could go, like, I want to do a long study on just the theology of before I formed you in the womb. A lot of you have heard, I formed you in the womb. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Whoa. Whoa. If anybody thinks that they are a product of an accident or a mistake, I think this verse proves you wrong. Before you were born, I knew you. I formed you in the womb. I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Because God, as our creator, he designed us down to the very smallest cell. Everything about us, he purposed for us. Then Jeremiah goes on in verse 6 and part of 7 says, and then I said, I love this. This is him. I think he's like, oh, Lord God. I don't talk like that. Do you guys talk to God like that in your prayer? Oh, Lord God. Everybody pray that way tonight. Oh, Lord God. Behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth. And I definitely think he was like, do not say that. Just stop. Okay? Like, you don't know who you're dealing with. Just stop. Right? All of us parents, we say that to our kids. I am only a youth. So he is a complainer, right? Come on. How many of you guys, when God tells you to do something, is going to immediately complain? Okay, me. I'm in. All right? How many of you are going to give an excuse? Me. I, I can feel Jeremiah. What's great is this excuse he gives about um, not being able to speak is the same excuse Moses gives at the age of 80. So I don't think his age was the issue. Do you? It, it might have been, but he, just, he was raised under King Josiah. He had a great example of somebody leading as a child. So some people believe when he says, I am only a youth, he means an experienced. And I bet everybody here at some time has felt unprepared or inexperienced. I know I have many times. But God says, do not say that. Jeremiah could have been younger, he could have been older, he's somewhere in that mix, but all that mattered was he was unsure of himself. But God said, I knew you. I knew you before I formed you. I have a plan for you. I have a future for you. You are not an accident. I want to say that to every one of you guys. I have to say this to our teenagers all the time. You're not an accident. I don't care if somebody told you that. They were wrong. I don't care if somebody told you that it was not planned or even maybe something bad happened that brought you about. It's not true. God planned you. He planned every piece of you. Why I love teenagers is that just like I struggle in this, they struggle with this. That's why I have to say it over and over. So I'm going to have James come up. And James is actually going to just take a minute and share with us a little bit about what teenagers in this year, not Jeremiah's year, this year, um, have to deal with, both good and bad. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, so I went online on the, uh, the good old Google. I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. And got some, st- uh, some statistics about today's teenagers. 
So I look back at the teen years, and I'm like, I'm glad those are behind me. Some of you might reminisce fondly of them. Um, but this is like a small little scope of what the average American teenager looks like. Here we go. 32% of teens consider Instagram to be the most important social network. And it's just pictures. <laughs> uh, 81% of millennials check Twitter at least once a day. And then there are other accounts, I'm sure. And 92% of teens report going online daily. And 24% of them say they're online almost constantly. During school, you know, when their parents are talking to them. 99% of boys and 94% of girls play video games. That's quite a bit. And 90% of parents say they always or sometimes know what games their children are playing. I think it's a funny stat, always or sometimes, but either way. 90% <laughs> of teens say they would rather be on a losing team if it meant they got playing time versus being on a winning team and just warming a bench. 90%. 45% of teens have been called names or insulted by their coaches. That's a lot. There's a couple heavy ones coming up. More teens and young adults die from suicide than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, strokes, pneumonia, influenza, chronic lung disease combined. And four out of five teens who attempt suicide gave clear warning signs. 70% of people from 13 to 32 say they wouldn't be able to make it one week without music. That's me. 79% of people in the same range say their music doesn't fall into one genre, their music taste. 82% of people, 12 to 17, are in excellent or very good health. Good job, teenagers. 58% <laughs> of American teens watch Netflix. Now, this was from, like, 2015, so it's probably really wrong. It's probably, like, 90%. And they probably mostly binge watch. 80% um, of teens check their phone hourly, again, at school. 1% of teens raised by parents who attached little significance to religion were highly religious in their mid to late 20s. 1%. On the contrast, 82% of teens raised by parents who talked about faith at home were later considered religiously active adults. Which huge impact of like faith at home right there. 95% of teens have felt inferior at some point in their lives, mainly in appearance and ability. Jeremiah would fit that statistic. 77% of teens have a physical scar on their body. I had like eight when I was a teenager. Probably more now. 91% of teens feel that YouTube is overall a positive part of our society. Could be up for debate. 64% uh, of teen boys say they have been in love, as opposed to 59% of girls. I thought, I love that one. That's like my favorite stat. <laughs> 61% of all teens say they bond with friends or family over shopping. I definitely do that too. If you want to take me shopping, we could bond. Be cool. 75% of students set goals for themselves, which is good. And again, three quarters of students will volunteer this summer. Hopefully at K2, right? We need, we need help. No. 83% uh, of teens pay attention to the news, probably on Twitter, previous stat. <laughs> 66% of teens are afraid of the future or life after graduation. I'm scared as well of the future. <laughs> Sales in Sour Patch Kids, this is important, guys, $885 million a year. That's a lot of Sour Patch Kids. And guess who eats the most Sour Patch Kids? Teenagers, totally. <laughs> now, some of the stats are quite startling. Some of them, right, are pretty human, and I'm sure most of us can relate to some of them. Some of us are literally in the middle of those stats because we're teenagers, right? Um, but... 
you know, of course the teens aren't statistics. We don't want them becoming statistics, right? They matter. I love them. Carrie loves them. That's why we do what we do. And uh, yeah, I'll give it back to you, Carrie. Thanks. James. All right, so two takeaways. One is, this is the level they like Sour Patch Kids. In this room, I had an event with giveaways. It was our kickoff, and on a table just like this one was set all the gifts. Sour Patch Kid bag, about this big. Minnesota, don't make fun. I heard it over here. Bag, Utah. Utah. Okay, um, $5. In front of it, a $50 gift card. Guess what they took? The Sour Patch Kids, these are your children. Okay, I taught my child, take the money. You can get 20 Sour Patch Kid bags. Take the money. No, that's how much they love them. But really, the one, one of the, two of the statistics in there that really um, hit me about teens, like isn't that not encouraging that if you all went out tonight shopping with your kids while talking about faith, that's all you need to do as a parent. What? Okay, you need to do a little bit more, but that's a great start because it's a quality time. It's being truthful. It's having a heart-to-heart conversation. So that was very encouraging to me that both of those things can really pave the way. But why is it that given this world, teens struggle? Struggle in this. Why is it? And I I just want to be really vulnerable with you guys today. I struggle sometimes, and in fact, very much, in the last two weeks with this, with not feeling good enough, not feeling adequate. I started asking God, why? Why me, why now? Why did you create me like this? Why did you put me in this situation? Why, 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 why? And then I would circle back, I'm like, whoa, you have me teaching this message, that's even worse. Like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you have somebody up there that understands this and gets it, and there's some weeks and some years, I feel great. I'm like, I know I'm in the center of God's will. I know I'm in his plan. I know he made me for a purpose. And then there's other times that I just struggle. And when I think about our teenagers, and I think about the fact that they have to go into a high school, have you been into a high school lately? Where they are insulted and bullied and swore at. No wonder they feel that way. No wonder. I don't know how many of you guys have been bullied at work lately. Probably not many of you. Probably not straight out insulted at work. Straight out told you're stupid. How how would you like that statistic about coaches? These are your meaningful adult mentors insulting you. It's tough to be a teenager today. But what I love about them is that they get it. They might struggle, but they're honest. They'll tell you. Psalm 139 13 through 16. You guys may know this is a very popular verse. You've heard it before. For you created my own most being. It's very similar also to the Jeremiah one. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I'm going to stop right there. If you're someone who struggles, like I have in the past two weeks, feeling good enough, wondering why life is happening to you, memorize that verse. I had to say that so many times to myself. Say that about yourself. 
Your works are wonderful, talking about yourself. God, thank you for creating me like this. Thank you for putting me in this situation. It'll, it'll transform your prayer life. And if for me, praying first a thank you and going through the gratitude changes the rest of my prayer life. So this passage, or the Jeremiah one, um, I just highly recommend. It goes on to say, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God's plan is so much larger than we can grasp. His plan for every individual here, every individual in Salt Lake City, in Utah, and around the world. He created you different than the person next to you, different than anybody else in this room. You are absolutely God's handiwork. You were made on purpose. But the second thing we pull from Jeremiah's story is being designed for a purpose. Not just on purpose, but for a purpose. So Jeremiah goes on in verse seven through nine, and it says again, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand on my mouth and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now, what I, what I get from this is a couple things. First of all, he created Jose, or Josiah and, this is Jeremiah he's talking to now, as a person of action, about taking a step, not just going, okay, God made me awesome, and now I'm going to stand here and do nothing. He created us for movement. He created us for a purpose. He created us for doing something. But he also did not create us to do it alone. I love that he said, I put my words in your mouth. Don't worry about it. I got you. I got your back. Can you imagine God being like that? Don't worry. I'll give you the right words. And he did. He created him for a purpose, to take the step. You don't have to do it alone. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. One of my favorite quotes is one by Mark Twain that said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. I love that one, and he's right. The day you find out why. Because it's not just filling up space. God is asking all of us and created us for something. It might be giant. It might be something small. It might be just loving our family a certain way and loving them and it might be that plus more. Your job is to figure that out. But I can guarantee you, it's good. If you're willing to take that adventure, it's amazing. Now, like I said earlier during the offering time, um, people around the world are really suffering. And um, it's interesting to me that in places around the world where it is actually illegal to be a believer, it's illegal to come to a place like this and worship. Those are the places where people are accepting Christ at the fastest rate. And if you go and ask somebody from those countries, like they'll be, I'm so thankful 
for that reason. So often we in, in America get, we just get comfortable. We get comfortable, like, well, I can do that tomorrow. I say that all the time. I'll do it tomorrow. God's asked me to do it, but like nothing bad's happening. I'll do it tomorrow. They don't have that privilege. But God did not call us to a life of comfort. He called us to a life of trusting him, to taking that step, to moving forward. What is God asking you to do? Now, why again, why I love teenagers is they'll do it through the fear. They don't let fear stop them. And again, verse 8, it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. I will deliver you. Do not fear. Our God is so much bigger than all of the junk of our world, whether it's high school in America to being a refugee around the world. God's hand is working all over this place. And Jeremiah accepted that challenge as a teenager. So if you go back and you study the Moses story, he had like seven excuses. Jeremiah only had two, and he immediately is like, all right, let's do this thing. I'm pretty sure that's what exactly what the Bible says. He just do it. He jumps in, he does it. One of the things I have struggled with is I had stopped moving forward in my life. And I want to share a little bit about that and what God revealed to me during it. Um, I have been in student ministry for the majority of 27 years, but there was a period of time that I had stepped out. And during that time, I was um, really hurt um, by a number of things. So I had a great excuse to not move forward. I was like, ah, I'm like, they hurt me, this is not a safe place, whatever, whatever. And we move here, and I was so kind of affected by that, um, even though my degrees in student ministry and I had done multiple churches, um, when my husband interviewed, he left. Um, <laughs> he had to teach AC. Um, he, he came in to interview first, and I didn't even tell Dave Nelson what my past was. I had a secret. And I kept it a secret for about a year and a half. And we went, and I had gotten hired on in children's ministry. And how many people were in the old building? All right, old building. So I had the privilege of designing and creating the children's wing in the old building. So the cool rock walls and all that stuff. And so I was happy. I knew that wasn't my calling. Who cares? I was just moving along, and I was happy, and I was doing, I was doing fine. And so we went to a staff uh, conference, and the speaker said something that jarred me. And I'm a doodler. I don't know if anybody else is like that. So if, again, teenagers, they can move and get snacks. I don't even notice. So I just sit there and doodle a lot of times during service. And he asked a question. He said, what is God asking you to do that you're not doing? And before I could even process, my hand just did this. And I just kept listening, and I wouldn't even pay attention. And about three to five minutes later, I looked down, and across the top of my paper said, youth ministry. Like, oh, no. It came out subconsciously. It wrote out. And so I went, okay, I'm going to go to Ryan, our youth pastor at the time. I'm going to have a discussion with him. I'm going to let him know that even though I was up to here in a building project, I wasn't going to have an excuse anymore. And I said, I'm going to come in and be a volunteer. And it only took about a year, and I ended up on staff. 
switching positions and have been the last nine years in student ministry. But then the second thing that happened is I started praying for our valley. Does anybody ever pray for our valley? If you don't, put it on your list. Because something happens just the way you even see people. Like your heart expands when you pray for certain people. And I prayed for our valley. I was like, I, I wasn't even praying for teenagers at this moment. I was like, God, what are you going to do? I wanted you to see, I want to see like a revival and a miracles and all these great things in this valley. And I said, how are we going to get it done? And I felt God say, you want an army? I'll give you an army. And I just happened to be sitting in front of my daughter's middle school at the time. And opened the doors, out came running about 1,500 very hyper middle schoolers. And he revealed to me, it's not just the middle schoolers, it's also the high schoolers and the college students and the young adults. It's really the teens and 20s. And I started going, why? Like, I've done student ministry everywhere. Why? Why here? Why now? Why this? I'm, if you can't tell, I like to ask the question, why? Um, I was very annoying to my parents. Um, <laughs> I asked God why, and he answered me. And he said, look around you. And so we had been here, remember, a year and a half at this point. And we had made some friends, but none of our friendships had yet gotten to the point where those friends and families outside of K2 I'm talking neighborhood and schools and sports teams and had been inside our house for dinner or we had been inside their house for dinner yet. And it was slow going. We definitely are making progress. We're loving each other. It's going great. It's just slow. And then he said, now look at your daughter. And I went, she's been in every single house and every one of those kids have been in our house. And I realized at that moment, they... Not only are they more loving than I am, more accepting than I am, they never talk down to people, unless they're bullies, which we deal with, but they, they accept and love people where we as adults struggle. God picked them. And I think more than just Utah, I think it's all over the country. I mean, he, he picked Josiah and, and Jeremiah for the same reasons, I think. I really do. So this is not just a here thing. But they have this opportunity to really make a difference. And at that point, I'm like, I'm all in. And I'm, I'm never stopping. I'm all in. I will not stop moving. I will never get stagnant again. I, I felt bad for the year and a half that I just sat here doing something else. So I have a video that I want you guys to see that has some of our teenagers and one of our leaders talking about what it looks like for them to follow God. A friend that was going to K2 that I had known for 30 plus years, he mentioned K2. I went and it was kind of cool. It's like, good message, great music. This is perfect. I'm comfortable. And sitting next to me on the chair was that silly little white card. Asked where you wanted to fit in, where you wanted to be. And I looked at it and it's like, huh, security. I'll do that. Put it in the uh, offering bag. Next week, there's that card pick it up again, and there was something in the back of my mind saying, fill it out correctly this time, and I didn't want to, so I just set it aside. This continued week after week, and I started checking teens. The voice in my head was, fill it out correctly, and I said, okay, great, I'll fill it out correctly, but you can't make me do it in good handwriting. So I'm pretty convinced they got a couple months of really badly written cards. 
And, you know, I was looking at this thing on teens. I have just finished raising five kids. I'm done. I don't want anything to do with teenagers. I'm finished. I'm comfortable. This time's about me. Don't need teenagers. Fill it out correctly. Okay. So I bolted out the side door as soon as it was over. But there was a group of people that kept me pinned against the wall. I couldn't get out into the parking lot. Well, the, the tent was there, and Carrie, you popped your face around and asked if I wanted to work with teenagers. And in the back of my mind, it's like, really? That's how you're going to do this? And the only answer was, okay, yeah, I guess so. And that's when I started. Like I said, I said no many more times than I said yes. And I think that's the key to everybody. You say no. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not comfortable with that. No, I don't want to. No, for whatever reason. But when you step out and say yes, suddenly it feels 100% right. It just lines up. Things fall into place. Remember, um, it's not people my age that are going to keep K2 alive. When you're in your 60s, you're not going to keep a church alive for very much longer. It's going to be the teens coming up. It's probably in your best interest to mentor them in the way God wants them to live. I was at youth group for um, just as normal, and um, I saw this girl, and she was all alone. And God was kind of telling me, well, go talk to her. And I was like, okay, I'll go talk to her. So I went up to her, and I said, hi, I'm Mia. I'm weird. Do you want to be friends? And she was like, yeah, sure, I'm weird too. So we went to service together, and we had a lot of fun. Looking back, if I didn't talk to her, like, nobody else was really talking to her. If I wasn't there, I don't know what would happen. I kind of hit rock bottom. I was super depressed. I didn't know what to do anymore, and I felt like actually ending my life. And I prayed, and God asked me, and I could hear him. This is like the first time I ever actually heard God. And he told me, he told me to stay, and he asked me to stay. And so I did, I stayed, and I asked for help, and I, and I prayed for him, and I, I asked him to give me the courage to ask for help, because he asked me to stay. And so I said, sure, if you want me to stay, then you have to give me the courage to ask for help. So he did. I got help, and I'm doing pretty good now. It's really, like, powerful, and it's, it's overwhelming, but in a good way. It's like overwhelming with love and just that like you know you're here for a reason and like he just expressed that to me so much. I didn't think I was going to get baptized at all and then I went to summer camp and it was just kind of like God was saying, hey Annie, you need to get baptized, like this is what you're supposed to do. And when I did, my best friend for years jumped in right after me and wanted to get baptized too. And we're going strong together and it's just completely changed my life. I'm happy now. I'm not putting myself down anymore. I'm waiting for God to tell me what my next step is. Um, he's definitely called me to be a student leader, to work with Adventure Canyon, the little preschoolers, and the arts team. And so I'm not sure what he wants me to do yet, but whatever he says, I'll listen. I think coming to Fusion for the first time, you know, didn't really know people. I anxious and get scared around people and just like, nah, this 
this isn't really working. There's a bunch of people I don't really know. He kept pushing me and eventually Carrie came up to me and was talking to me at one point and convinced me to come again. That's how it went for a while and just started coming regularly and I was scared at first but I realized that, I mean, a lot of things have changed being here. I've made some of my best friends and learned a lot more about God and stuff. I've just changed a lot. <laughs> Reminds me that, you know, with Carrie coming and talking to me over and over, that wasn't just coincidence, you know, that was like, you had to be in work there. So John, who opened up the story, he, um, God's doing something another thing in his life and um, we have a lot more video that we're going to show in a couple I think middle July I'm not sure the exact date but wait for that um, and it's, it's super exciting so he brought a, him in and he's sending him out and I'm a little bit over a little emotional about it but I know that that is what um, he's supposed to do he's taking the step so what about you guys Again, I started this morning telling you that it's not about getting you guys to sign up for youth ministry. This is just my lens, unless that's what God's telling you. But what is God specifically asking you to do, big or small? What is it? What is it today? And I'm going to have the band come up. Is he asking you to do something that maybe you feel inadequate to do? Is he asking you something that maybe you had a dream a long time ago and it kind of got squashed out because of circumstances of life, like mine did? Is he asking you to do something that you're just afraid of or refuse? Is he asking you to do something that somebody told you you shouldn't do? What is he asking you? So we're going to... They're going to play a song, and during the song, I'm just going to ask you guys just to um, take this time to reflect. You can take your program and a pen and write on there if you want, something that maybe God is saying to you right now. Um, And then I'm going to come back up and pray for you guys. And And if you aren't sure, I love how Annie said, I'm not even sure my next step, but I'm excited. Just write that down. But just right now, just sit with this message or this song and, um, and listen. <laughs> 